welcome to the All In My Head podcast. We're glad you decided to give this podcast a listen. We're a group of teens that are making a podcast for youth by youth. We will counter stereotypes around mental health in the teen, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus community and talk about things you might find a little uncomfortable. It's, it's real teens, real, real talk. talk. Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of the All In My Head podcast. For today, I'll be your host. My name is Leanne Modoni. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm 18 years old. So today in this episode, we're going to dive into a conversation about the term BIPOC. And we're going to start by defining it and understanding its purpose and also dive into how the members of the BIPOC community feel like it affects them. So first of all, I would like to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who have been tuning in and supporting us. We are just so thankful for you. We hope that you keep enjoying the podcast and be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if by any chance you would like to be a part of the podcast team, feel free to email us at allinmyheadpodcast at gmail.com or DM us at the underscore all in my head podcast so let's dive into it what's bipoc bipoc stands for black indigenous people of color and this is a term that first emerged last summer right after we lost george floyd the purpose of the term was so that we can be able as a people to voice and bring out the experiences of black and indigenous people more. The term that was used before was just POC, which means people of color, right? So now there was just an adjustment made to it to be BIPOC. So to voice or to help the black experiences and indigenous experiences to be like set apart, you know, like to be voiced more. But as a member of the BIPOC community, I feel that that was a good motive, but I don't think it's serving the purpose that it's supposed to. Because in some way, I think the term BIPOC, you will find that like maybe people just like how the BIPOC community are having certain experiences. But that's not right because we all have different struggles. Black people have different struggles. Indigenous people have different struggles. Hispanics, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, all of us have different experiences in America. Sure, all of it is under the same impression where people are just racist towards us all. But the experiences I have or have to deal with as a black person is not the same as an indigenous person. It's very different. And I feel like if we want to actually fight the different areas of the system of America that is racist, we have to actually acknowledge it. School to prison pipeline, for example, is targeted for black kids, you know? Like, you have to go dip into it. And I feel like in some way, I am um, coming to understand that the BIPOC term does not lead to this because people just tend to generalize all of our experiences into one. So that's just one way I would say the term is failing, but also the POC part. As a person of color, so I was listening to this other podcast and it's called Fanti and the episode is called BIPOC Kinda Sucks and it kind of shed light to this situation for me. Whereas one of the hosts was like talking about how you don't just say LGBTQ plus because the IA is not 
included in the plus and it's necessary for the ia to be included so that those who identify with the ia feel that they are acknowledged and i would say the poc is not doing that because there's a lot of people who actually fall in that area you know and it's good to actually take a minute and realize who actually falls in that area and try and find like an acronym like i know it's gonna be bulky in some way but i feel like it is in actually acknowledging because we have had this moment where it's not a factual thing. It's just something that I saw on social media where some Asian Americans in some places are considered white when their experiences are not the same as white people. So it isn't actually sitting down and finding an acronym that actually fits everyone who's a person of color in America that actually helps us have the conversation that who is a person of color you know, like actually like sit down and actually consider that this is a person who's not treated the same as a white person in America and should be fought for it. So that it's not like all of us are just pushed as people of color. No, I am a black person. You need to acknowledge that. No, I am an Asian American. You need to acknowledge that, you know? This is how I feel about it. But if you have like any contradictions to that or would like to have like a conversation with that, for sure email us or dm us at instagram which is again the underscore all in my head podcast and for now this segment we will have the rest of the team have a deeper conversation on how they feel the term applies to them what they think should be made better the changes that should be made or how they feel about it we hope you enjoy thank you hi y'all my name is Luis Alonzo Velasco, and I'm 16 years old, and I live in Beaverton. My pronouns are he, him, and I identify as Chicano, which essentially just means that my parents were born in Mexico while I was born here in the United States. Now, I will let everyone else introduce themselves. Danny, would you like to go first? Yes. Hi, I am Danny. I'm 16. My pronouns are he, him. I identify as Black and biracial. Hi, I'm Madeline. I'm 15. I use she, her pronouns, and I identify as a mixed race youth. And just a quick disclaimer before we begin with our discussion today, we would like to acknowledge that we are just three people and we do not represent the amazing diversity of the BIPOC community. These are just our opinions. Now let's begin. Madeline, here's a question to you. Do we need labels? Why or why not? Um, I definitely don't think that labels such as BIPOC are necessary, but I know that they do give some people like a sense of belonging, a sense of identity. And so for some, they might be useful and like helpful, but I, for others, they're just another label that people categorize them as, and it can be toxic and it can be harmful. So it's really just all up to personal opinion. That's interesting to hear because I have a opinion that actually differs from that. And to me, the term BIPOC is more descriptive than people of color or POC because this term acknowledges that people of color face varying types of discrimination and prejudice. Additionally, it emphasizes the systemic racism that continues to press, invalidate, and deeply affect the lives of Black and Indigenous people. And I think when making a lot of legislative policy decisions, we need to start implementing the labels BIPOC because we want to be centering Black and Indigenous voices. How about you, Danny? What do you think? I think these labels can be positive, but I don't always think that they are necessary. 
when trying to center certain people, I think that they can be important in the way that if it's BIPOC and inclusive, but it can also be decentering. What do you mean by at times it can decenter communities? I'm curious. Well, because it's very inclusive, it can also be very exclusive because it's so general. For example, at an event hosted by uh, white people, they asked me to bring in a photographer and I asked the photographer to be black. The people who were white referred that as to BIPOC and I wanted a black photographer to capture black liberation. And instead they were comfortable with it just being BIPOC. Interesting. So would you suggest that we should, instead of using the label BIPOC as something universal, we should be a little more inclusive by when we know when to use labels and when not to use them? Yeah, I think for the specific groups, if we're talking about it, I think that we can just use the group. But if we're trying to uh, recognize historic marginalization, BIPOC can be a good term for that. You know, I have to completely agree with you, Danny. Madeline, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely have to agree. I think that there are times when BIPOC is like a good term to use, but I think that it can take away from independent identities as well. Perfect. I'm glad we all got to share our thoughts on that. Moving on to the next question. Does a single word to encompass all of BIPOC sound more appealing to you instead of an acronym, Madeline? I think that one word to encompass everyone sounds better to me than like an acronym such as BIPOC because in my eyes, like putting Black and Indigenous at the front takes away from every other identity that there is. And you can make any argument against like, well, Black and Indigenous can face challenges more frequently or you can make arguments like that. But to me, it's just like taking away from other identities. So encompassing all in one word sounds more appealing to me. What do you think of that, Danny? For me personally, I think that even though uh, it's important to realize that all marginalized groups have been marginalized, I still think that at the forefront of our minds, we need to keep that Black and Indigenous people need to be at the forefront of our minds that they've been historically marginalized and not just in our country, but universal worldwide. I don't think it's appealing to me because if there were to be one word to encompass all of BIPOC, I believe we would just be back to square one. And we don't want to go back to square one because square one is not acknowledging that Black and Indigenous people have been historically marginalized the most out of any group. And I understand this isn't the oppression of Olympics, but we also have to understand that Black and Indigenous communities have been living and are living in a society where it's built off anti-Indigenous and anti-Blackness. And because of this, we need to start prioritizing and centering their needs. And I also understand that we don't want to decentralize any other communities but we also have to acknowledge that myself as a brown person I have benefited of the society that we live in as being anti-black and so have other communities such as the south and east asian community and we can look back in our history where at the time slavery was well a thing and east and south asians were immigrating to the U.S., 
there was stereotypes around certain groups of people, but the stereotypes were per se less worse for brown and Asian people than they were for any other group, and any other group meaning black and indigenous people. So because of this, brown and any other group that isn't brown or indigenous has benefited off the slavery of black people. And because of that, I think we just one word to encompass all of BIPOC does not sound appealing to me. Yeah, I definitely understand that. But I mean, like, as someone indigenous, like, I don't like the fact that, like, Black and indigenous is the first thing in BIPOC. I recognize the fact that, like, this society was not built around anyone indigenous. It was not meant for anyone indigenous. And I think that putting indigenous at the front like that, like, emphasizes that and brings more pain. I see. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I definitely understand a new perspective and it's definitely making, allowing me to take a step back and reconciliate. I'm glad we could all share our perspective regarding that question. Now, Madeline, to you, what does the BIPOC acronym mean to you? And I know you touched on this a little, but if you want to elaborate, feel free to do so. To me, it just emphasizes the fact that this society was not built around Black and Indigenous voices, and to me, it brings up more pain, and it just kind of, like, puts salt in the wound, in my opinion, and I know there's differing opinions on this. If people find that, like, BIPOC is helpful to them, then I, of course, I would love them to keep using it, but to me, it it just is hurtful. Word. I completely agree with you. I can't relate to you on obviously a personal level. However, now that just provides me a new perspective going into how I use the term BIPOC, because obviously I should be very aware of the situations I use the label BIPOC, because at times it can be harmful, as you mentioned. And to me, the term BIPOC essentially really was a way for me to centerize Black and Indigenous voices in a way that the acronym People of Color couldn't do, POC. And I guess that transition from POC to BIPOC, I would say made me unaware of the good impacts and bad impacts BIPOC brought to the table. So I'm glad you could share that with us, Madeline. Danny, what do you think? What does the BIPOC acronym mean to you? For me personally, it brings to the table that, I mean, this world and, you know, how America was made has been anti-Indigenous, anti-Black. And, I mean, America itself was built on the wealth and the backbones of Black slaves. And it became an American superpower off of the economic wealth that Black people brought and the disparities that it brought to Native Native Americans and Indigenous people. So I think it brings to the table that that is how our country was founded in itself off of anti-Indigenous and anti-Black behavior. You know, to this question, there is no one right answer. And I think because our answers vary from different opinions, that doesn't necessarily mean we defer on things. And I think we can all agree is all we want to do is center Black and Indigenous voices. Wouldn't you say so? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Great. That's great to hear, everyone. 
now let's dive a little more into this. Madeline, how has labels and current events around BIPOC folks affected your mental health? As some of you may know, May 5th was Missing Murdered Indigenous Women's Day. And there was, I saw a lot of posts. I saw a lot of spreading of information and resources, which was great. I felt that Indigenous voices were being heard. And then the next day, a lot of people woke up to see that all of their posts had been deleted by Instagram. And that, it was so hurtful. It was so destroying to the whole movement. And it was a reminder that, like, social media is really not our friend. It's it's not here for us. And that we have to continue to do things outside of social media in order to grow a movement and be activists. And it was just really terrible to see that basically all the posts about this really important crisis were just gone. That is absolutely sad to hear. That is absolutely disgusting on behalf of Instagram's part for doing that, for removing posts, flagging posts around missing Indigenous women. And I myself was unaware. My posts actually, I believe, never got taken down, but I can only imagine how heartening it was for everyone that spends hours and a lot of mental and um, a lot of emotional work into these movements. Danny, how has your mental health been affected by BIPOC-oriented events? I mean, there's pluses and minuses to everything. This movement, uh, liberation in itself, isn't uh, the easiest thing to do. Uh, liberation is a lot on people's mental health and especially on historically marginalized people on top of that my mental health personally has been both increased and decreased at the same time Uh, I mean BIPOC itself has been helpful in some ways Uh, I think that we're realizing that generational trauma based events and racist traumatic events have affected people of color's health significantly and we've historically do not pay attention to people of color's mental health so I think there has been some awareness brought to the table about that. Most definitely and thank you both for being so vulnerable with your answers. I think for me personally and before I answer I do want to preface that everything I am saying here today is my own views and does not reflect any of the organizations I work for. But I love the specific example Madeline gave. And for me, a specific example where my mental health has been affected because I am a BIPOC person and it's an event surrounding BIPOC, the BIPOC community, is specifically I live in Beaverton and currently there is a Beaverton City Council race. And essentially, there was an Indigenous candidate who was running for a city council position, and community members had called on a candidate who was labeling themselves as progressive, and this candidate was white. And they, we had called on them to step down to make room for an Indigenous 
voice in our community because Beaverton desperately needs someone like the candidate that I'm referring to. And it was just absolutely urging to have this person in a position where they could be making decisions that would be helping the communities within Beaverton. But what I'm referring to at most here is the Indigenous candidate that I happened to be working for had dropped out of the race. And that essentially had just left me and the entire community organizers that were calling on this white candidate to step down, to essentially be left to teach her how not to be racist. We have to explain to her what intersectionality is. We have to explain to her why SROs don't deserve to be in schools. And to me, that is just mentally exhausting. And it's not it's not my job to be teaching white people what to do and how to not be racist. And I understand that it's a good thing to do it, but simultaneously, it shouldn't be so mentally exhausting for me to explain to a white woman why SROs don't deserve to be in schools. And it's not my job to do so. And because of that, my mental health has been really affected because I have been put in a place where I feel helpless, but also I know that I can help by quote unquote teaching this candidate, but it's also not my job and it's mentally exhausting. So I'm kind of at a road where I don't know where to cross to and I don't know where to go. And essentially I'm just stuck. So because of that and, you know, past events have obviously affected my mental health. You know, we don't like to see on social media our own people being killed and people posting that around like it's for display is absolutely despicable. And my, that's also one of the other ways that my mental health has been affected through events sur surrounding the BIPOC community. Regarding this question, do either of you have any more thoughts? I just wanted to like second that. Yeah, the posting of people being like brutalized and, and like injured and like the posting and sharing of that on social media is so it's negatively impacting so many people and it's insane how little like fight back there is about it like I've seen only a couple posts saying hey this is actually harmful not helpful and it's just it's insane that like it's just normalized to post someone like severely injured on your story to try and like spread awareness yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree. And I echo that statement. So now that we have had some time to reflect on the term BIPOC, Danny, are there any books, movies, shows, or resources out there that you would recommend our viewers that has helped you in affirming your own identity? For me personally, I found Angela Davis and their books to be a very powerful in how I one identify um, and rethinking intersectionality and rethinking an intersection of a movement and in liberation. One of my favorite ones is Freedom is a Constant Struggle by her. How about you, Madeline? Are there any books, movies, stores, or resources out there that you recommend everyone that has helped you in your journey in affirming your identity? Last year's Everybody Reads book, There There by Tommy Orange, was incredible it was like mind-blowing for me it made me feel represented like there were so many indigenous voices in this book it was amazing to read it was a wonderful beautiful story and there were so many identities in it and 
it was just incredible to read and I would really recommend it to really anyone because it's just an amazing book. I have to echo Danny's recommendation. I think Angela Davis has helped me in my journey and not only finding how to perceive intersectionality, but overall just Angela Davis's confidence in affirming their own identity has really just made me more aware of my own identity and how to be proud of it. Awesome. I'm happy we were all here today to talk about the acronym BIPOC, and we had some great discussions here today. Thank you all for coming again. It's greatly appreciated, and thank you to all our listeners who stuck around and listened to us talk. Have a great day, everyone. This was All In My Head, Real Teens, Real Talk. Make sure to check out our Instagram as well, at the underscore All In My Head podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Nicole, the adult advisor for the podcast. The teens are pretty busy this week with AP tests, schoolwork, sports, and going to youth-focused conferences, along with just life in general. So I'm helping out and doing the clothes. This fantastic podcast is brought to you by a grant from Oregon Health Authority, Association of Oregon Community Mental Health Programs, and Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide. I am the adult advisor, and I work with Multnomah County Student Health Centers. Music by Wadaboy, shared on Pixabay. Thanks for listening.